Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. First and foremost, I forgot to mention to you all, Happy Father's Day. You can't make this stuff up. Father's Day and flying pigs. I didn't choose the text. It was appointed by the mind of the church. Today's gospel lesson would be great material for Netflix or Prime Video. It might even rival Stranger Things or American Horror Story. We tend to be attracted to dark shows, and we tend to view demonic activity as nothing but entertainment. Demons and demon possessions are scoffed off as being superstitious, religious mumbo-jumble, and even sadly by many Christians. Our Western, reasonable, religious, educated, entertain minds no better. We come up with all sorts of scientific reason why things like this happen. Demons, possession, the supernatural. It's just stuff of movies and fantasies, but we've moved past that and don't really think about it anymore. But perhaps we should. Or at least maybe we shouldn't write it off so quickly. In other parts of the world, demonic activity is taken much more seriously and seems to be more visible. At least that's what we think. Is that because they don't know as much as we do? Or is it because they know more? Is it because the demons are more active there or here? Or do the demons like the fact that we don't think about them much here and so they have more free reign to act? And we want to keep it that way. Satan is a pragmatist. Whatever works. So when it comes to demons and demonic activity, there are two errors you can make. Number one, to fear them too much. Or number two, to think of them too little. To fear them too much is to give them too much credit than what they deserve. To think of them too little is not to give them enough. We don't want to fall into either of these ditches, but stay on the road of the truth. So this is a good narrative for us to consider today. Especially us fathers who have been appointed as head of our households, spiritual heads of our households. For if you think for a moment that what Satan did to this poor man isn't what he wants to do to you, to possess you, to drive you, to torment you, to harm you, to destroy you, you are sorely mistaken. This is exactly what he wants to do to you and to me and to all Christians. 
The reason he does not or cannot, the only reason is because God does not permit him to do so. But that doesn't mean that Satan is not active in our lives. For consider for a moment, what things are you captive to? What sins are controlling us, binding us, driving us? Oh, there are a lot of them. For some, it is sexual sins whose appetites they cannot satisfy. For others, it is addiction. For others, it's anger or rage, bitterness. Make them act how they do not want to act. For some, it is despair and hopelessness is all they can see and feel. For others, it is greed, the quest for power and success at any cost that drives them. The list is endless. Maybe we look more civilized and tame compared to this man in our text for today. But maybe appearances are a little bit deceiving. Maybe we are in as much danger as he was. So how good that the good shepherd has come here for you and me. To us who are even farther away from Israel in both time and place than the region of the Gerasians. He doesn't come in a boat but in the waters of holy baptism. Here he steps into our world to deliver you from sin and captivity. That's why when a person is baptized, the old liturgy put it this way, depart you unclean spirit and make room for the Holy Spirit. And in those waters with the word of God, God is at work. The Father adopts you. The Son frees and forgives you, and the Holy Spirit makes his home with you, puts you in your right mind, clothes you with Jesus' perfection and righteousness. And then just like that once-possessed man, we sit at Jesus' feet and we learn from him. But Satan doesn't then give up. He just changes the tactics. He is a pragmatist. Whatever works. He'll try to lure you and me away from Jesus' feet, from Jesus' teaching, from Jesus' life, to forget how bad the captivity can be. To bring new false gods into our life that look and seem really good and helpful and right. To distract us, blind us, fool us, scare us again and again, whatever it takes. And maybe he'll do it sooner, maybe later. Makes no difference to him as long as the end result is the same. For you remember what happened after Jesus was baptized. He was tempted in the wilderness. And after that fail. Satan departed from him until an opportune time. 
And while perhaps there were many opportune times, ultimately the time came again when Jesus was hoisted on the cross. When his disciples abandoned him, his father forsook him, and people came to save, to, people who came to, to save, who he came to save, were mocking and humiliating him. And the devil laughed. You're going to die, Jesus, for folks who don't even want you as their savior. Satan is a liar. And his pants are on fire. He is. For just as he left the 99 in Israel and went to the country of the Gerasians to save this one man, so he left his throne in heaven to come down and save you and me, the world. All of us since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden have been under the oppression of the evil one, captive to sin and lost. He enters into this world of sin and death, breathes our poisoned air, and he goes to the graves in which we live to set us free and give us a hope and a future. He is the stronger man who has come to bind the strong man who has bound us. And the enemy of our enemy is your friend. He's your savior. For Jesus didn't enter this world of sin and death in the grave. He actually entered our sin and death and the graves themselves in order to destroy them and their grip on us in his resurrection to set us free, to give us eternal life. And so after the freedom and the life given to you in baptism, there is also absolution. The blessings and the benefits and promises of baptism applied again and again and again to you. To us who wonder and fall and weaken and believe the lies of the devil, and so we need those words every day. Our good shepherd never tires of speaking them the words which he spoke from the cross, Father, forgive them. And also speaking to the evil one, depart from my child. But then after this wonderful work of Jesus, the story takes a perhaps unexpected turn. The people are afraid and ask Jesus to leave them. Was it because of the loss of pigs and so the loss of income? Maybe they were frightened of what happened to the man, and maybe they didn't particularly like it. They were used to the things they were. What would Jesus' presence then mean for them, for their lives? Those same fears are still with us today. For though Jesus' freedom and forgiveness and life he gives is better, we don't always want it that way. We love what we love, and we want what we want, and we do what we do, and we're used to the way things are. We don't want change. Perhaps the things that happen make it seem as if God is taking life away from us, the only life we know. 
But if what we don't want to change are false gods, people and things we love more than God, and the lies we're living leading us away from God or in conflict with God and his word, we need change. Repentance. Which means a complete change of mind and heart. We need those pigs in our lives to run away and be drowned, but instead hide in the graveyards of sin and deny or even ask Jesus to leave or at least let that part of my life alone. And while Jesus does leave in this account, he does something else very important. He leaves the man behind. Or maybe better to say in this way, he stays there in the word of this man. That as this man stays and tells his family and friends and all that region what God had done for him, that the Spirit worked through that word in the hearts of those who were hearing to take away their fear and give them life and faith. To know that Jesus hasn't come to take their life away from them, but to give them a better life, eternal life. And so today he sends pastors, and yes, you fathers. And he leaves us in the places where he has put us and given us folks to speak to us, to tell us what Jesus has done for us. You and I might not have all the right answers after all. I'm sure this man didn't, but this he knew. He had been possessed, and now he was free. He was frightened, and now he was joyful. He was an outcast, but now a child of God. And that he could tell. And so can you. To whoever God has gathered around you, wherever he has put you in the midst of. Especially when we see Satan and his demons at work, when things are frightening in this world and seem to be falling apart, when people are looking for answers. The answers aren't found in ourselves or in political wisdom or how we can somehow make our society better. The answer is only in the one who goes after the one and not just the one, but each and every one. The one who gives freedom and life, the one who has come into the light of our darkness the hope in our despair, and our confidence in a world gone mad. He has gone to his throne in heaven and yet is for, here for us today in his word and body and blood, just as he was with that man at Gerasian. Still working, still giving, still saving. And now here at his table, he is both your host and your meal to feed you, to give you and I what we need the most, himself. Forgiveness, life, body and blood given for you here. For where Jesus enters in, Satan is cast out. So while Satan is real and sin is dangerous, we have nothing to fear the hymn writer put it so well, see how he sends the powers of evil reeling. He brings us freedom, light, and life, and healing. All men and women who by guilt are driven 
now are forgiven. Come celebrate, your banners high unfurling, your songs and prayers against the darkness hurling. To all the world go out and tell the story of Jesus' glory. And men, have a happy Father's Day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith to Christ Jesus, to life everlasting. Amen. Amen.